When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Hey folks, Dr. Tim Jordan here, back with a new podcast here on Raising Daughters. I come to you every week talking about things that pertain to girls, what are girls facing this day, the challenges they're facing, also ways that you can support them to remain an influence in their lives. Uh, today, I decided to have an author on. Um, I got this, this book and I read it oh, a couple of weeks ago. It's called Soul in the Game, How to Live mm-hmm. a Meaningful Life. And I thought, wow, that's a good topic that that parents may be interested in. So I invited the author, Vitaly Katzen-Nelson, onto the show. So thank you so much, Vitaly, for, for coming on. Tim, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, and you live in Denver, right? That's right. You have three kids of your own, a son and two daughters. That's right. So I, want, I wanted to, to talk about your book, but before I do, um, I want to first ask how you how you got to where you got, because you, you've done a lot of different things. You 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 started your life in in Russia, or I guess Ukraine or Russia. No, no, those were Russia, Russia. Yeah. In, in Russia, came here as a kid. Uh, the reason I'm asking this is I see a lot of young people today all stressed out because they feel like they should have their whole life figured out by the time they're 16 or 18, and there's a lot of pressure. You may have felt this with with your with your kids. They should know, you know, where they're going to school and what what they're going to study and what's their career going to be. When in reality, I think most adults when they were 16, 18, 21, had no idea they'd be doing what they're doing when they're 40 or 50 or 60. Well, God, there's so many, there, there's so many things to unpack here. Um, <laughs> well, let, let's start with this. So I, so I was born in Russia. I moved to the United States when I was 18. And uh, I, I had no idea who I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing when, you know, when I was 18 years old. And um, I think one thing I learned is that Whatever you're planning for may or may not happen. A lot of times it's not gonna happen. Okay. So and like your 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 kind of road in life is completely shaped like com- randomly by by things that are you could never predict. Uh, like I like an example, I got into investment industry after I tried six or seven different majors in college. And I didn't like any of them. And then completely accidentally I got a job with an investment firm. Because they hired me because I had good computer skills, mm-hmm. and there I discovered that I love love investing. I'm I'm almost like terrified. What what would have happened in my life if that day I did not call that number to apply for the job? Yeah. Or if I called that number and it was busy, like just just I think about this, my life would have been so different, and you and I would not be talking today. Yeah. Just um. So my son, who is 21. Uh, I tell him that he doesn't have to have the answer what he wants to do with the rest of his life right now. He isn't he, right now. He just needs to tinker with different things, and then something will click. And he, when he when it clicks, he will, he'll know. And in fact, um, and I know it's about daughters, but I, I have yeah, you know, but I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the uh, the best one of the most important things my son did 
after he graduated from high school, he actually took a gap year. Mm. And that was very important because he, that was a year where he lived, he, he moved to Israel for a year and he joined a program called Advark where he basically lived kind of in this kind of a dormitory, like a tiny dormitory with other kids. And they, he had internship, he took classes and they would uh, bus him around Israel for, for a year. So, and this way he was completely on his own and he kind of got to discover himself a little bit more. Yeah, He was out of a way, but he didn't have to make a choice, a commitment to college or any kind of thing. You know, and uh, he, he said that that was paramount in his growth as a, you know, in his growth. And uh, he went, you know, from being a kind of a, a D minus student to become an A student after that. You know? Yeah. Speaking of which, you say in this in your book, which is called Soul in the Game, you say in the book that your teachers looked at you as a kid, as a student, and said, this kid ain't going to do anything in life. Yeah, You're a C, C student, I think you said. And I'm curious about what they saw that caused them to judge you as being not that great. Well, so, okay, so you have, you have to, I have to provide a context. A Russian education system, and I and I when I say this, I got to be very careful because the the education system I was exposed to when I was growing up in Russia, which might have changed since, was was a very different system than American system. It was basically it valued science a lot mm. more than it valued liberal arts. It's a system where if you are different from others, that was not a positive. If you were more creative, if you learned differently. They didn't care. They did not accommodate that. So I was a late bloomer, in all honesty. But I was I was probably more creative. I was I was different from others. And and I was never good at taking tests. Yeah. And therefore my teachers kind of gave up on me and they assumed that I they're gonna give me C because they didn't want to see me for another year. Uh, so that's, that's why they didn't fail me. So it's kind of the, this is a, this is a, I'm slightly embarrassed for this story, but not really. This is a kind of, this is a true story. Final exam, uh, in the high school, in, the, in, in school. And I, and I had to write an essay and I was horrible at writing. And this is Russia. This is Russia. And I was horrible at writing. And I knew the topic of the essay that's going to be on a final exam. And I basically had another teacher literally teacher write it for me. So I showed up for the exam and then at the end of the exam, instead of submitting the work that I, I wrote, I basically slightly, basically submitted the essay that, uh, that was pre-written for me by another literature teacher. So, so this is the person who teaches this subject. Yeah. That was an A essay. I got a C on that. <laughs> okay, so the point is, it didn't matter what I submitted. Like it's a, right. it looks at me as a C student, so just gave me a C. But you know um, that, but that, but that kind of thing goes on, I think, everywhere, not just in Russia. It may look a little different. The context may be a little bit different, but there are a lot of kids who don't fit the mold, who are entrepreneurial, don't want to do what the school is saying to do, who who um, want to have more autonomy in the way that they think and what they study. A lot of those kids get judged along the way and people don't see beyond what they see in front of them. And they get these labels and judgments. And I think what, what you got, I think it was from your parents. Your parents always believed in you. What you got from your parents was they saw something in you that they knew they saw a higher vision in you than was 
present in the, in the moment, in the normal kind of way. It's like, there's an author, um, James Hillman, who wrote a book called the soul's code. I read years ago. He talked about how sometimes you see a kid like you were back in grade school and it's like an acorn and it's hard to see the oak tree, but that's our job as adults. That's your job as a parent is to be able to see that and to see that in our kids, as opposed to just seeing a, a dirty, uh, dirty acorn on the ground. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. So I wear so many hats because another hat I wear, I'm a CEO of a company. So I have people working for me. And my job is to allocate resources and to have the right person in the right seat doing the right job. And, and, what, and what I found, this is um, a lot of time people that work for me, their weakness becomes their, the source of their strength. Yeah. Okay. And recognizing, like I'll give an example. So I have a person who is incredibly organized. Okay. You give uh, give him a task and he'll get it done perfectly. And he'll, you know, and his organizational skills are completely off the charts. However, the sort, the, his weakness, you would call it a weakness. Now I don't call it a weakness is that the person lacks creativity. Yeah. Okay, so you can say, okay, let's say uh, that person has a weakness in creativity. In the creativity, I say that's a source of his strength. And the other way around, I have people who are my marketing guy. He's incredibly creative. He's incredibly not organized. So and I have to adjust. So he apparently is a person who is creative. So uh, who is organized? And the same thing I have to identify with my kids. When my daughter tells me that... um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, my uh, my daughter, Hannah, who is 16, her teacher said that she has ADD and that she needs to go see a doctor about this. And I look at Hannah as a very creative person. Including, you know, she plays chess, she draws, etc. And she just needs, you know, and she's not very organized. So the last thing I want to do is my daughter being kind of, uh, being, basically subjected to a whole bunch of pills, which would basically try, you know, she would lose her creativity, yeah. would, would uh, dump her down a little bit. And, uh, you know, and uh, so, and I, and what Hannah and I are working on is for her, she needs to create routines to become more organized. So when, when she comes, wakes up in the morning, the first thing she does, you know, is a, she does her bed. Okay. And then, and then, so, and that's, that's a completely different thing. So there's some things she can do to create routines of her life to kind of, to offset, like to, to kind of, to get a balance, to balance. balance, Exactly. And, and, and they don't, none of those things require drugs and, you know, and it's just requires a little bit paying attention to them and kind of trying to deal with them little by little. And I'll give another thing, another example. Like uh, we were, we came, uh, we came from Mexico, and she left both your um, Kindle and iPhone on the on the plane. <laughs> okay, and she's like, "See, I have ADT." I said, "No. What you have to do is when you take out your iPhone, instead of putting it in the in the pocket of the seat in front of you, just put it in your pocket. You know, and it, just just little things. So if you yeah. take off your headphones, you put them back in the case, and and and." And I think this is kind of this little things are extremely important. Yeah. And uh, and, and a lot know, of times. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. One of the things that we we forget sometimes is that a lot of adults who are very successful are like that. 
but when you're 26 or 48, what you do is you hire someone to do those things for you. You, you, you can use your, your highest level things and you can do all that. And if you have a gap, then you you work with someone on your team or you hire someone who can kind of do that for you. Um, there was a, yes, there's a, there's an expression you hire, you hire your weaknesses. Yeah. Which is, it's so easy for me to hire because I have so many weaknesses, <laughs> but, 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 but you are right. Like you are right. I am on the creative side. So therefore I have an assistant who is extremely organized and she makes sure she helps me to deal with my, you know, you know, uh, with my life. My, my, our kids don't have that luxury. Yeah. So they have to become, they need to have uh, work on having routines. Yeah. On creating habits. Basically, what are we talking about? We are talking about creating habits. Right. I want to talk about that because you talk about it a lot in your book. By the way, we're talking to Vitaly Katzen Nelson, and he wrote a book called Soul in the Game How to Live a Meaningful Life. And you talk a lot about developing habits and having developing a narrow minded focus. And so it's easy to say that I want my daughter, I want my, my daughters to have that kind of focus and all that. But sometimes it's hard to know how, how do you actually do that day by day? How do you help kids develop those kinds of habits? All right. So this is, this is an example from this morning. Okay. Um, so both of my daughters don't have the most clean rooms. I'm, I've been trying to be gentle here. Okay. Um, so with my eight-year-old, She's getting uh, carrots. So she's uh, getting stickers if she has a room, mm. clean room every day. With my 16-year-old, she every day, she gets an allowance every, every week. Every single, like in a, we go in a one-week cycles. So every day she doesn't have a clean room, she gets a dollar taken away from her allowance. The second day she doesn't have a clean room, she gets four dollars taken away from her allowance. And it's and it escalates. So she What responds, a mean dad. I know, but she responds <laughs> she res, she responds to No, no, I mean that's the thing. You have to figure out yeah if your kid responds more to carrots or um or sticks. And I think yeah. younger kids, you respond to uh, carrots more than the, you know, the uh, than to sticks, and so this and this is how, like I did the same thing, you know, something similar with my son, I, and I and I know that uh, there's a psychologist have a conflicted you know, thoughts on this, uh, I paid him for his grades, and you, you know, and there was a you know, and a, there was a school of thinking that you should not be paying him for, uh, for something they should be doing anyway, um. But I realized that my son responded incredibly well to carrots. And and uh, I bribed him to, and I basically bribed him to improve his GPA from 1.3 to 4.4 in the senior year. So, and that worked for him perfectly. And, maybe, and him and I discussed this, and we are not quite sure that that was the only thing, you know, that was a, one of the things that worked. You know, yeah, one of the things that help, but maybe he matured as well. So, you know, you also you talk. I've read a lot of research about how do you how do you help kids become more generous, and they found in research there's a difference between saying to a kid, "You did a good thing," that was mm -hmm. a really generous thing you did, versus saying to them, "I can see that you're the kind of person who notices other people who have needs and who is there for them when they are in need." And you talk about that some in your book when you're talk when you talked about 
um, helping helping reinforce an identity in people to help them develop habits, which is instead of saying do this or don't do that or don't eat that chocolate cake or don't eat so many calories, it's it's to, it's in, internally kind of saying to yourself, I'm the kind of person who. Yes. So when there are three things we can do to create a habit, we can set a goal, we can create a system, and we can have an identity. Every, every Olympic athlete has a goal to get a gold medal. So having goals is not enough, though it's the, the, you need to have them to, to have a direction where you're going. Have, an assist, have a system basically that is something that you create that helps you to keep doing this something over and over again. Um, like in the in Navy, they have this saying, you fall to the level of your systems. Mm. Okay. So system is something that is repeatable. That's something you can do every single day. And over time, it actually become mindless. In other words, that's, that's a good thing in this case, because you don't have to think about it. Like just the same, like every day we have a system. We do this all the time. We brush our teeth, right? We wake up, we wash our face, we brush, you know, we don't think about it. Now, if you add on top of that brushing your teeth, 10 minutes of meditation, you know, you just created a new system. I mean, you know, that you're going to meditate after you brush your teeth. Now, the next level of this is, is this is your identity. Then you're right. When you become, when you basically say, I'm a person who, I'm a person who is kind. I'm a person who is healthy. When you, when you basically, when you convince yourself, and that's what you're doing by bringing up, by creating your creating identity, that you are a healthy person, you're probably going to less likely to go through McDonald's drive through and buying Big Mac, right? Because that contradicts with you know, your identity. Who you are. Um, yeah. And, um, and I, so, uh, by the way, you, you, you mentioned kindness. That is actually, after I published the book, that became why my number one goal. I want to be a, per, a, a kind person. Meaning that I want to be a kind person who is kind all the time. What does it mean? Well, it means that when I'm, it's eight o'clock at night and I'm at dinner with my family and I get a call from telemarketer, I treat this telemarketer with the same kindness I treat as a, you know, my, my parents or my child. So in other words, I'm not going to be rude to this person. I may say, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't need your services, but thank you for calling. Um, but I, you know, and, and the reason it's important because if I do this enough, if I treat everybody with kindness over time, because, you know, it's going to become my identity and that's going to become my innate behavior, something I do all the time. And what you didn't ask me this, but one thing uh, like important about raising kids is that the, the, the conversation you and I having right now, I have the same conversation with my kids. They're gonna listen. I, I'm gonna make them. I'm well. I'm gonna <laughs> make them listen to this podcast. <laughs> but they don't do their room. So, yeah, but Is that a punishment or a care? As, uh, like, I don't know. It's a good, it's a good question. Um, um, it's a, it's a good question. <laughs> it's not gonna be carrots for more. Than that, it's gonna be punishment. But uh, and they like and they you know I have conversations with them like this all the time, 
And I think this is extremely, extremely important is that we talk to our kids the same way as we, to some, when it's appropriate, yeah. as we would talk to other adults as I talk to you, right? Because um, I think this is how, and my parents, like, unfortunately, my I think my parents did not do this. I mean, I have a phenomenal parents. I'm lucky, but I don't think my parents did this with me when I was young, and I wish they did. Yeah, I think one piece of that identity, you mentioned three things that you need in order to get what you want or be successful. I think the other thing, I, it's just a different way of saying it is, is them having autonomy in choosing what you know, I always ask when I see girls in my counseling practice, mm -hmm. I always, I always act dumb. I'll say, well, what kind of grades do you want? And they look at me like I'm an idiot, right? Well, I want A's and I'll say, why do you want A's? Or I'll say, what are you going to do after you graduate from high school? And a lot of them look at me like I'm an idiot, like, well, I'm going to college. And I ask them, why are you going to college? And then it's really interesting because most of them stammer and stutter and they don't really have a good answer other than I want to go to a good college so I can get a good job and make a lot of money. They have this whole, you know, stuff they've heard from their parents in the educational system. But a lot of them haven't sat back and said, why might I want to get those grades? Why would I want to go to college? Why, why, why? And you would talk, you talked in your book about how struggling is suffering with a purpose. And the purpose is the why that you're doing things. And I think the why that why question, why do you want to why do you want to play chess? Why do you want to be a gymnast? Why do you want to go to college? Why, why, why? If you can, I think if you get kids to thinking about that, that's what helps them to overcome those tough times. If it's almost like you're so right. Uh, you're so right about this. If they make a choice versus when and they are not a victim, if they make if you make a choice, you're not a victim anymore. Yeah. If somebody makes a choice for you then you have a victim mentality. And like let's say two people ride, you know, running 26 miles, one because you know, somebody forced him to run 26 miles, another person because he wants to win a marathon and he wanted, he wanted to run. So it's a, the same out, you know, the, the kind of yeah. both people are running, but one may, had a, has a why and another one doesn't. And a lot of times what you have to do is just reframe. You know, like you make a choice, like you actually, um, when instead of feeling like a victim, like a victim, you basically make a choice, a deliberate choice. And this little act of reframing and seeing the same thing from a slightly different perspective is is liberating. Yeah. Makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, and then you have the energy and then you have the, whatever it, you have the persistence to be able to overcome obstacles and the uncertainties and and the challenges because I, I, a lot of kids today with the whole covid thing and all they've been living in the last several years with a lot of that yeah and so i think i think anytime they can have choice about things i think that that helps them just with their focus it helps them to stick with things to be more persistent and they also get more out of it oh, oh absolutely i mean the drive i mean this is like they have the drive right my so Again, talking to sons for a second. Um, like my son, I look at like this is like I look at him and he's an incredible case study because um, in 11th grade, his GPA was li literally 1.3. And the senior year, he's tripled his GPA to 3.9, which is incredible. Wow. Um, and today he is in a third, uh, third year at uh, CCU Boulder. 
and he has GPA of 3.97, which is, it's still, you know, and uh, he gets the highest grades. It's, you know, he has the highest grades in his class, et cetera. And I look at him and he studies so much more than I ever did. And he goes to see Boulder considered to be party school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes to parties, but he, you know, but he only goes there when he did his homework. And and I'll be honest, there is a part of me looks at him, and I think, I like I like when it was when he was sixteen, I was really worried about his future. Now he's twenty one. I don't have a worry in the world. And when I like um, when I see when I have friends who have kids like who are 16, 15, 16, and they are like, you know, and they really worry them. I tell about my son because he is like, he's like hope that for somebody whose child is kind of, yeah, was going to be, you know, not doing well, you know, that they're, you know, they, they do change, you know, they do mature, you know, and I think yeah. they, he just matured when he was 18 or, you know, not, yeah. not, not 17. Yeah, the other thing is I, I have a, a daughter, then two sons. And they're in their 30s. They're all grown up and married and everything. But when my first son was in high school, if you looked at his his GPA, you would have said, wow, what a great student. Because mm-hmm. he was basically an A student. So his report card, if you looked at the grades, you say, what a great student. He was a crappy student. He mm-hmm. barely studied. He just was one of those kids, unlike me and I think you, who was mm-hmm. not, he was great at taking tests. He knew he had some way of listening in class and knowing what was going to be on the test. So, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a good student student because he, he was a very independent minded, very strong minded kid. And he didn't like people telling him what to read and what to do his whole life. He was that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes it's not about the grades so much as I, I tell parents, even if it's okay to talk about grades and things, but even more important is I bet if you go back to your son when he was 15 or 16, my guess is he was into something. Like my son, like an example is my son, when he was 16 ish, he, he picked up a guitar and he, and he taught himself how to play. And I think the reason was initially was because we have summer camps. We've had summer camps for, for kids for 31 Mm -hmm. years. And I think he saw that the, that the girls liked the guy with who played guitar, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the, there was like a chick magnet. I think that was his initial motivation, but he sat down and, and taught himself. He never had one lesson. He pulled down tabs, he pulled down music. And so we saw that focus, that initiative, that hard work. He stuck with it. And so to me, if you you'll, you may see it like that in kids. You may not see it with their grades when they're 15, but you might see it with a sport or music or art or something, and that's transferable. I think you're right. And I think my son was into basketball, and uh, another thing, he just loved making people laugh. That's That was that was his thing. Um, but I think the, one of the most important things you and I can do as parents is basically tell our kids that they can achieve. And this is what my parents did. This is like, like all my success. I can attribute to this, uh, that I can achieve anything if I put my heart into it. And that is like, and I, you know, growing up as a Jewish kid in Soviet Russia, and by the way, growing up, like being Jewish in Soviet Russia, it's almost like put you in the lower caste. Hmm. So, um, and therefore, my parents needed to do that to make sure, because the, the society kind of pushes you down. And my parents needed to do this to bring me up. Hmm. And um, and I th- and I always try to I always try to do this with my kids, because like if my if my because my parents believed in me, hmm. 
I that's why I kept going forward because in you know and I, that's what the, that's what kept me going, and then over time success became you know, kind of leads to more success. Um, but I think as a parent, this is like one of the most important things I can do is just kind of uh, making sure my kids believe in themselves. By the way, this, this is an important difference. The, it doesn't mean like I'm not saying you will succeed because you are is my last name, Katsanelsa. No, yeah. you'll succeed because you're a smart person and you have, you, you, when you work hard, you'll succeed. It's a, it's the work part. It's the effort. Yeah. You know, the, you, you, you always have to make sure to remind them that they do have to put in the effort. Yeah. We're talking to Vitaly uh, Nelson, and he wrote a very interesting book that I enjoyed. It's called Soul in the Game, The Art of a Meaningful Life. And we're running a little late on time, so I don't want to keep you for too long. But I want to ask you a question. Sometimes mm. people ask ask my wife and I because we we travel all over the place and give talks to parents everywhere, and mm. and and they'll say, um, "So you've given us all this information about things you can do, blah blah blah." And they'll say, "But if you had to pick one thing, one thing that you would suggest that I do to be a good parent, what would it be?" And and I always say to them, and to their surprise, "Do your own personal growth. Take you know." Because if you're if you're bringing a bunch of baggage into your parenting, some old unresolved stuff, your kids will trigger it, and that's what's going to get in in the way of you being the parent you want to be. It's not that you don't know; it's that other stuff can come in between. So my question to you isn't not that question. My question to you is: There's a lot of information about how to create a meaningful life in your book, Soul in the Game. I'm wondering if, if I know this is not a fair question, but I'm asking mm-hmm. anyway. If you could pick one thing. For parents to really focus on this, say, if you want your kids to eventually to uh, create for themselves a, a meaningful life, what would, might it be? Oh my God! Um, okay, so that wasn't. A, that's why I said it wasn't a. Fair yeah, question. yeah, yeah. No, no. So, um, um, I think. Let me let me tell you. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna chill a little bit because for me to have a meaningful life, I need three things. So unfortunately, that's and I need all three. Okay. So I need to have uh, great relationships. Relationship is my friends, my family, you know, okay. Uh, my, you know, so relationships are extremely important. Um, I need to have creativity. And let me explain, this is important to me. So this is something, um, um, something that where I do something that has a meaning to me, like mm-hmm. my work in this case, it's me doing research. It's writing. That's 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 a creative work that gives kind of charges my batteries. Mm-hmm. And the and the last thing, um, I need to be net positive to the society. So me writing this book was my effort, or me writing my articles, is my effort, or me doing investment for my clients on this. You know, it's me being net positive. So those three things. Um, so I think as a, like, unfortunately it's more than one, but I think those three things is that what uh, you need to have to, like uh, actually anybody, you know, uh, need to have to have a meaningful life. And one thing as a parent, I'll tell you this, uh, as I've been looking at, you know, being, being a parent for now 20 plus years, 20, 21 years, I, I see that the like, there are certain things you have to do with kids to have, you know, just to, you know, to make sure your kids, you have good kids. You need to spend time with them. And when I say time with them, not actually give them attention. Like, so you're focused, you know, I think you need to talk to them. 
And and the, and the one thing I learned is that the when I make like um, I'll I'll give you one story. I, you know, I know we're running short of time. Um, I was at the uh, we went on vacation somewhere, and that was the rental car counter. And I, we, whatever car we were gonna get, we were not, you know they didn't have it. And I remember I got really upset. And and first of all, which is something like I shouldn't like I was wrong, completely wrong. Most importantly, after that, I talked to my kids about this and explained how wrong I was. And because the kids see this behavior and they think that's okay, then it's not. And and then so whenever I like go, you know, and you go through life. I try to be a good person. I try to be kind, but that doesn't happen all the time. And I talk to my kids about this, and as and I look at it as a as a learn as kind of as a learning experience for us as a, as a lesson. Um, so I think that's a one of the things that's important for us to do with our kids is to talk to our kids and <laughs> admit that we are fallen, you know, that you know we're not perfect, and you know. But I think this this is uh, when they see that we are constantly trying to self-improve, then it's going to give them confidence that when they screw up, and they will, it's you know it's just an opportunity for them to self-improve. Yeah. And you, you said a little bit earlier that you're going to make them listen to this podcast. But but the other thing is, I, I don't, I'm going to use my, I don't want you to make them read your book. But I think one of the things about talking with our kids is that we don't oftentimes tell our stories. They, they see you as a successful investor person. You wrote a book and blah, blah, blah. Uh, they see all that, but they didn't see you when you were 15. They didn't see you making mistakes when you were 18 or maybe you didn't make any mistakes, but most of us did. Yeah. And so they, they see that finished product. They don't see the struggles and the failures and the mistakes. And so and so your book is, is full of lots of really um, inspiring, fun stories about your path and how you got to where you are today. And so... Mm -hmm. I, I strongly recommend it. This is, uh, we've been talking to Vitaly Katz and Nelson. Again, again, the book is called Soul in the Game, The Art of a Meaningful Life. By the way, how can people get the book? And also, how can people yeah. get a get a hold of you and or your articles, things like that? Yeah. Well, so the book, you can buy the book like on Amazon or wherever the books are sold. Um, now, the the couple things. So uh, when, not if they buy a book, but when they buy the book. Uh, <laughs> if you go to soul in, uh, soul in, soul in the game.net. And there, if there is instructions how you can get additional chapters. After the book was, you know, I keep writing new chapters. Yes. And uh, if you go to this website, uh, there will be instructions how you can get new chapters absolutely free. Um, and by the way, just just one thing about the book, it does discuss parenting, but it also talks about classical music. It also talks about stoic philosophy, creativity, yeah. even travel. So uh, it's a, but, but I think it's a kind of the, I think, Parenting is one of the you know one of the pieces that uh, uh, that I'm very proud of. You know, this, you know, they, um, anyway, they, so they can you know if they go to soulinthegame.net, they can also sign up to receive my articles as well. Uh -huh. So I'll just I'll just keep it simple. Yes. Oh, and the last thing, we have a podcast. It's called the Intellectual. If you go to investor.fm, or just look for Intellectual Investor, and there, yeah, share my basically it's my articles read to them. And uh, the articles there about creativity, classical music, also investing and parenting. So it's, it's investor.fm for the podcast? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on and talking about about your book, about the ideas in your book and how it can pertain to parenting. Uh, uh, 
I hope hope it sells lots of copies, and I hope you're you're successful with that as well. Tim, thanks parenting. so much. It's it's my pleasure. It's such a great podcast. Thank you so much. Well, that was an interesting conversation. And the book, Soul in the Game, I think is a good read, The Art of a Meaningful Life. And I hope you can pick that up and read it. And or maybe have your young adults do the same. Thank you for stopping by here each week for this podcast, Raising Daughters. I'll be back with you uh, in a week with something new, something different. Thanks for stopping by. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.